Well, I want to uh, add my congratulations to our graduates and maybe others who are uh, in process somewhere along the way with a degree of some kind. Uh, now, how many of you have attended a graduation ceremony uh, in the last year or are intending to attend a graduation ceremony All right, in the next little bit? All right, fair enough. I don't know about you. I'm getting really tired of some of the stuff that I hear at the commencement addresses at these things. So I don't know who they find to speak at these things and what kind of academic committees decide this stuff. But um, there's a whole lot of kind of the uh, be all you can be. You are the wind beneath our institution's wings kind of mushy stuff that goes on out there. So I'm going to take a little bit of liberty this morning, uh, Kristen and Renee, and uh, give you a kind of commencement address, which I'll likely never be invited to give because it doesn't talk about happy fields of roses with bunnies hopping in them and your unlimited leadership and job potential for the future. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of your life is limited only by your dreams kind of uh, stuff, which you saw a little bit of uh, some of our uh, maybe mocking of that with some of the anti-ambition uh, posters that were running during Coffee and Connection time. Uh, against the tone of most of these commencement type things. So uh, here's the deal. I actually had to go back in history about 200 years to find a good commencement address to actually give uh, to you guys this morning. And I actually found it in a book uh, that I'm reading by a guy named Dave Harvey. And the book is called Rescuing Ambition. It's well worth uh, reading. And in the book, he tells a story of a man by the name of Timothy Dwight. And uh, Timothy Dwight, as you can see, was very official in his capacity. He was the grandson of uh, Jonathan Edwards, one of the grandsons. And he was uh, the president of Yale College uh, in the spring of 1814. He was invited to give the baccalaureate address to Yale's graduating class of future leaders. And uh, Dwight took this time in the history of their lives uh, to sound a warning to them about ambition gone astray. He called it the speech on the dangerous love of distinction was the title of his commencement address. Listen to some of Dwight's words and see if you've ever heard a commencement address like this. He said, Wickedness can in no other form be more intense, nor its plans more vast, nor its obstinacy more enduring, nor its destruction more extensive or dreadful than the love of distinction. Not quite the usual fare that you hear at these type of commencement pieces, is it? But I think Dwight is on to something fairly helpful, and we're going to spend some time over the course of the next number of weeks unpackaging and exploring the topic that he brings up, and that is the idea of ambition. Uh, and ambition, particularly ambition corrupted or negative or unholy ambition or desires that have morphed from something good and holy into something that's selfish uh, and maybe a little bit darker. And I should know because Dwight was probably describing all but described my life. Uh, because you see, I was born into a family of uh, people who were uh, entrepreneurs and so both sets of grandparents on either side were entrepreneurs and self-made people, as were my parents. And all around me in my extended family, uh, this is the type of people. They ran very hard. They considered themselves very successful in their lives and their business endeavors. Um, one of my uh, grandparents was hired out of university in 1947 and worked his way up the career ladder in one company 
and retired as the president of one of Canada's largest oil and gas companies uh, at his retirement. And so my, my lineage is an ambitious bunch. So needless to say, uh, this was something that I picked up fairly early in, in my life without even really recognizing it or naming it in, in any way. And so I picked up this sense of drive in my life. I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to do something. I wasn't quite sure what that would be. And this ambition, uh, I could channel it very well in school and in academic environments. Uh, that type of ambition is usually fairly rewarded. Uh, but once I got out of school and into ministry, this got me into trouble a little bit. I should have had Dwight come and speak at my graduation because ambition did something in my heart, that drive. It, it caused me uh, after graduation in particular, to want to be first and to want to be known. I wanted to be successful just like the other people in my family in their fields of endeavor. But something happened to me, and if you're a psychology major in school, you could probably explain it to me a little better than I understood it to be happening to myself. Somewhere along the way, my ambition and that sense of drive got wedded or welded to my sense of self, of who I was as a person. And so what happened then is, if the thing that I was involved in was successful, then I was successful. And if the thing that I was involved in was not successful or failed in any way, then I was a failure as a person. And so about this time in my life, I started to notice a whole bunch of ugly things kind of percolating in my heart and in my mind. And ugly stuff began to bleed out in my personality. Hostility towards other people. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition. Dissension, division, and envy. I would get the alumni magazine from the places that I graduated at, and I would immediately flip to the pages, people kind of in my general range, and I would compare myself to what it is that they were doing. And I would think to myself, aha, I am totally ahead of this person. And they're, they're in a different field than me, but I can just tell from the little two-sentence description they sent in. I mean, they're trying to make it sound like they're doing something spectacular. That is really poor. I mean, that's just lame. I mean, I can't believe it. We thought they were going to go somewhere in their life, but clearly not. Um, you know, I'd, I'd flip through and think, well, that's, you know, other people in ministry. I think, well, pff, I'm, I'm pastoring a more successful church than they are. would never say that to them. That would be just, you know, unprofessional and unchristian, frankly. But that's kind of thought, so it would kind of percolate in, in my head. I would never think to myself, wow, God has been good to them. They're, they're doing, you know, amazing things for God's glory in the world of business or nursing or education, or global mission, or in their family, or whatever. I would think to myself, oh yeah, I, uh, at the age category that we're in, I'm ahead from where, they're, uh, from where they are, and what they've done. And it was getting ugly in, in my heart and in my head. And so ambition was causing me to do exactly what Dwight warns against. To love distinction. To love being known. And to be first. I would do anything to get that or to keep that. And some of you know maybe what I'm talking about. Now, at the same time, I was in ministry and trying to be a good Christian. So I'd mask most of these thoughts in spiritual terms of 
wanting to do great things for God. Or I couldn't help noticing, though, that even if I talked like that, there was still stuff going on in my heart and in my life that, that was really ugly. And that really, there were certain kinds of fruit happening in my life as a result of my ambition. And it wasn't love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's actually something that the Bible has a very specific label for. And that label is selfish ambition. And so this morning we're beginning a new series. And we're going to be uh, in this series for the month of May and the month of June. And we're going to be looking at ambition. We're going to be looking at various aspects of ambition. The good aspects of ambition, the bad aspects of ambition, and how God wants to redeem our ambition and use it uh, for his glory. And so uh, we're calling the series Ambition, the Good, the Bad, and the Holy, and we'll be arguing that there's two basic types of ambition. There's corrupted ambition, uh, negative ambition, and, and then there's things that, these are things that the Bible tells us we should steer away from or get rid of in our lives. But then we'll also see that there's things that we want to be maybe a little bit more ambitious about or grow in our ambitions because God calls us to those things and use our ambitions to produce good things in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, open it with me to Galatians chapter 5. And uh, on page 28 in your Momentum Journal is the notes and the small group section for your life group for this week in discussion. And let's pray together as we look into God's Word this morning in Galatians chapter 5. God, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you that it's truth, that it's our guide for life and for practice. And we thank you that in so many ways, and it, it functions like a mirror, that we can hold it up and look at ourselves and our lives in it, and it reflects back to us who we really are as people. And so, God, I pray that you would do that in this place this morning for each and every one of us, wherever we're at on our journey of exploration or of deepening our commitment to you, or of skepticism. God, I pray that you would work in each heart here by your spirit. Clarify our ambitions. Challenge our ambitions. And purify our ambitions, God, through the reading and exploration of your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, open your Bibles with me to Galatians uh, chapter 5. And if you're new or visiting with us, and don't have a copy of uh, the scriptures, we'd love to give you one. And so you can just visit with Michelle uh, after we finish our time together this morning. Grab an easy-to-read copy and take that home with you. That's our uh, gift to you. And uh, I want to encourage you to uh, bring your Bibles with you on Sunday mornings. Not all the text will be up there uh, on the far side as we look at our topic for today, which is selfish uh, ambition, which we find in Galatians chapter 5. And we're starting in reading in verse Uh, 16 together, where it says this. So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, kind of like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago in our series in Romans. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses, which we talked about a few weeks ago. 
in our Roman series too, in chapter 2, chapter 3. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a couple lists like this in the text of the New Testament. And once uh, the writers get going with a list like this, it really tends to pile up. It's quite the list, isn't it? And just five years ago, when I would read Galatians 5, I would skip over all that stuff, go right to verse 22 and 23, because I was unaware, largely, that most of the stuff that was describing my heart was things like hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, and envy. I just thought these things were like a natural byproduct of having a drive or having a sense of ambition in your life. But thankfully, God used some good friends in my life to bring some corrective action. They took me out to lunch one day and confronted and named what they saw occurring in my life. Kind of held up a bit of a mirror. And my first response was not, thank you so much. I appreciate that corrective insight into the way that you perceive my actions and behavior and thinking. My first reaction was, oh, they don't really know me. Uh, they're misreading the circumstances. They're, they, they've got a, a bit of a, they've got an ax to grind here. They're, they have an agenda that they're trying to, you know, trying to get uh, across and they, clearly this is this is just a, a bit of a you know they're miss, they're missing the point they're not seeing you know what's going on but after some careful thought and reflection and insight and a godly wife who is much more discerning and helpful than I am and with some the gift of a, a wise and godly Christian counselor I was able to see some of the things going on in my life for what they really were. And by God's grace, be able to, to curb that or redirect or rescue some of those aspects of ambition before it came so corrupted that it was irredeemable. And some of you might have uh, a bit of a, uh, a parallel experience in some ways. And some of you might look at it and say, oh, but come on, Brad. Like, ambition isn't all bad. And to that I would say, yes, absolutely. That's very true. There is, there is elements of ambition or there is a type of ambition uh, and types of personality types that that, that tends to live in more readily uh, that's absolutely godly and healthy and even holy. And we're going to talk about that type of ambition in the coming weeks. But today I want to lay some groundwork for us by focusing a little bit more on the negative aspects of ambition as a picture for us to wrestle with some of the dark sides of ambition in our lives. Because you might just say, well, okay, well, that's just a little selfishness. That's just a little ego that snuck into your life. That's not the end of the world, Brad. And that might be true. But where you and I might see a little bit of ego or a little bit of, of drive, uh, there's also can be attached to that in many ways, something that the Bible names as selfish 
ambition. And it throws a huge cautionary label on that every single time that that word selfish ambition comes up. And so the question for us probably should be, well, how dangerous is selfish ambition? I mean, is it just a little dangerous? What does the New Testament talk to us about this? Well, in the list here in Galatians 5, it's included with a whole list of maybe things we would consider pretty big deal kind of items. And in other texts, in the places in the New Testament, it describes selfish ambition as a kind of road that someone starts down. Listen to the way it describes it in James chapter 3, verse 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will also find disorder and evil of every kind. Wherever there's selfish ambition, it has partners in crime that come along with it. Disorder and evil of every kind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, the same word, selfish ambition, is used. And uh, Paul is writing to a church there that's really screwed up and saying, hey, there's a bunch of, of real challenges. And when I come, what am I going to find? And in 2 Corinthians 12, 20, he says, I, I have some real concerns. When I come, I'm going to find there's going to be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Some of you have been to church meetings where those things have prevailed. Selfish ambition in the Bible is always painted with a very, very dark, dark brush. It always has very negative and associated partners in crime, and they're never pretty. There's a layering to it that happens that's subtle but noticeable over time, like a path that opens up to us, that we walk down it. Maybe the first couple steps don't feel so dangerous, but what the New Testament's trying to help us understand is that there is a type of ambition that once you begin to walk down that path, all kinds of other things begin to flow into your life that are unhealthy and undesirable and ungodly. And they begin to take root and grow in our lives. And maybe today, the Holy Spirit's holding up a mirror to your life, your dreams, your ambition, your attitude, your actions, and your selfishness. And like my good friends who confronted me, maybe God is asking you some questions and allowing and desiring to rescue your ambitions before you get too far down that path. Because if we notice these kinds of fruits sneaking into our lives, there's clear instruction for us in the text in Galatians chapter 5 as to what we can do to try and avoid all kinds of discord, jealousy, gossip, selfish ambition, arrogance, disorder, evil of every kind. Look with me at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. So as I've said before, in verse 21 he said, Anyone who lives that sort of life, the the things that are characterized by that sort of life, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very strong warning in language. Verse 22, but, but the Holy Spirit produces a different kind of fruit in your life. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You want to talk about laws? There's no law against these things. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, listen for the Easter language in here, 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. They have crucified them there. So since we are alive and living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Last weekend we celebrated the resurrection and the saving victory of Jesus Christ in his life, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. And the solution that we talked about last week, and this text reminds us of the same thing, is not to try harder. If you notice selfish ambition creeping into your life, our natural tendency is to try harder to curb those things and say, well, I should probably not be as selfish of a person as that. But the text says that is not the solution. That will not get you anywhere from preventing you from going down that road. It's not try harder to be nicer, to be less selfish, or to be a less ambitious person. We can't grow that kind of fruit in our own lives. The solution, the text says, is to go back to the cross, to identify with Jesus, and to say conceit, jealousy, selfish ambition. I am dead to that kind of living. Holy Spirit of God, would you grow something profoundly different in my life and something profoundly different in me today? That's the only solution to selfish ambition in our lives. And I don't know where you're at this morning. You might be exploring what it means to be a Christian. You might have questions and be curious. And if you're here and you're in that category, I'd invite you to consider the implication and the descriptions provided of what the road that your life is on might look like. You might even right now identify with the text of Galatians 5.17, where it talks about two forces kind of fighting within you. I have these desires, I want to do things, but then I feel like I can't do them, and there's these evil desires, and these two forces are kind of fighting all the time within me. A pull towards selfish ambition and maybe a tug by the Spirit of God towards something different. And let me give words to that experience in your life, if that's something that you've wrestled with either this morning or recently. What you're sensing in your heart and in your mind is the Spirit of God working in your life. And God's Spirit trying to call you to respond and redeem your ambitions, to lay down your ambitions in your life that have driven you to this point. And to ask you and invite you to open up your life to him. And so in a few minutes, the worship team is, is going to come and lead us in songs of response. And if that's something that you sense and that you feel going on in your life, you feel like there's a tug and a battle and an experience going on, I'm going to be at the back and I want you to come and talk to me about it. Let's process that together and pray for you before you leave this place today. Now, some of you will maybe not be in that category, but you'll say, well, I've, I've been a follower of Jesus for already. Um, but some of you as followers of Jesus, some of us need to have our ambitions rescued and repurposed and redefined in our lives. Because if we don't allow God by his spirit to rescue that ambition and those elements of our personality and our life that he's given to us but have become corrupted by our choices. The Bible clearly promises that selfish ambition does not lead down a helpful path. That selfish ambition will actually guarantee you negative 
consequences. You will grow small trying to be great. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so when the team comes in a few minutes, I want you to take some time to reflect on your life. Ask God's spirit to search your heart and shine a spotlight into your life. Ask God to to ask you questions about your motives as to why you do things, your attitudes that you approach life with. Ask God to ask you questions about your dreams and your plans and your desires. And while you're asking God those questions, I want you to ask, God, what is taking root and growing in my life these days? What are the things that are taking root, the attitudes, the actions in my heart? What's taking root and growing there these days? Maybe it's still underground in a seed format. Maybe nobody else sees it or knows of the negative ambitions and the attitudes that hide in your heart. Ask yourself things like, is my ambition to move out of my basement suite motivated by a comparison with others? Is my desire for my kids to behave well motivated by jealousy of other family members? Maybe my desire to get ahead in my career is poisoning my soul and affecting some ethical decisions that I'm making. If so, ask God to cleanse your heart by his Holy Spirit this morning. Perhaps you need to spend some time journaling, and that's why we give you the option on page 28 there, lots of lines to write down. What is it that you feel like God is putting his finger on in your life this morning? Asking you to clean up and cleanse. Write down some of the things that you see popping up in your life these days. You can use as a primer list the list that's there in Galatians chapter 5. Things like lust. Things like hostility. Things like using alcohol to numb the pain. Things like jealousy over the accomplishment of others. And then what I would invite you to do if you're brave and courageous enough is test those observations with a friend who knows you. Maybe it's in your life group. Because they'll be able to hold a mirror up to your life and tell you what kinds of ambitions they see manifesting in your heart and in your actions these days. There's also a corporate side and a dimension to this that I want to put us on alert for as a church family. We need to ask God continuously as a church to search our hearts and to ask questions of us. For example... Are we jealous of the success of other churches? Do we secretly or publicly compare ourselves to them? Selfish ambition can take root in an individual's heart, but it can also take root in the life of a church and the life of any organization, actually, just as easily as in individual lives. And so maybe you want to spend time with our prayer team over at the far side this morning praying for our church family and asking God for his protection from pride. Perhaps you want to spend time with the prayer team celebrating what it is that God is doing in your life and amongst us. And so I want to cycle back to where we began this morning. If this were a graduating address, a commencement address, I would probably say to the class of 2011 and to the rest of us, I leave you with this charge. Above all else, guard your hearts from selfish ambition. Let the Spirit of God, Galatians 5 says, guide your life. 
Let the Spirit guide your hearts and your desires and your ambitions. Let Him root out that which is selfish and bad and replace it with ambition that is good and that is holy. For it's only when you allow God to rescue those ambitions in your life that you can indeed be all that you can be. And your life will actually not be limited only by your dreams for yourself, but by the dreams and visions that God has in His heart for you and for us. I guess that's not such a bad commencement address thought after all. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to invite the team to come and lead us in songs of response as we invite God to search our hearts this morning. Spirit of God, the one who sees and who knows every aspect of us, God. The scripture says that you created us, you knit us together, and you know us so well. You know us better than we know ourselves. And so God, in some parts of our hearts, there are many of us who harbor some things that are unholy. God, would you shine the searchlight into those places in our lives this morning. Root out that aspect of selfish ambition, which so easily grabs a hold of us and leads us down that path that's away from you. Father, we confess that we cannot do that on our own. We confess that we are powerless to effect that kind of change in our lives. We need you. And so we surrender yet again to you this morning. Maybe some of us for the first time. Spirit of God, for every person in this place, and for me included, I pray that you would call out holy ambition in our hearts and root out selfish ambition. We surrender ourselves to you for that purpose in this place and in this time this morning. We don't want to rush or run away from that. We invite and give you full permission to search us, to know us, to test our thoughts, our hearts in this place this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Continue in an attitude of worship as the team leads us in songs of response. And you can take whatever position feels comfortable for you. You can spend time seated. Just with your eyes closed, just because the words are up doesn't mean you have to sing. If you want to kneel, if you want to go for a walk and wander, ask God to search your heart. I'm going to pray with someone around you. Spend some time journaling. Our prayer team's available at the far side, just over behind the pipe and drape there. Spend time with them celebrating what God is doing in your life or praying or asking God to search your heart. Got a few songs of response here that the team will lead us in to give voice to some of those things and invite God to do his work in our lives together this morning.